As a founder, if I could click my fingers and solve one thing, it would be people. All the people things solved forever. Can you imagine that? This is why I'm delighted to tell you about Personio. Personio takes away the pain of HR processes for small and medium-sized companies. You still, of course, need to do some people stuff, like managing them, but Personio takes away as much admin as possible. Personio includes an applicant tracking system for when you're hiring, which I highly recommend, and tools for managing stuff like employee holidays, reviews, payroll, and offboarding. With Personio, you get one HR system you can use end-to-end, saving you masses of time, and they're used by thousands of companies like Lush, Spendesk, and Mindful Chef, so you know you're in good hands. So, if you're leading a small or medium-sized business and want to spend less time and effort on HR admin, then book a demo at personio.com forward slash secret leaders. That's personio.com forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. So by 2017, we're one of the fastest growing uh, companies, fitness companies, especially boutique in the world. It's like everything we're touching is turning gold, you know, until it doesn't. Devin Klein founded fitness company Burn Bootcamp with his wife, Morgan. From starting out in a parking lot with only $600 in his bank account, they are now operating in 42 states and have 375 gyms across the country. But we wouldn't be talking to Devin if everything had all gone up and to the right. This is Secret Leaders, and I'm Dan Murray-Serta, and this is Devon's Favourite Failure. Before founding Burn Bootcamp, Devon was a professional baseball player. It had been his dream since he was a little boy. I come from a very broken home. My dad was in and out of prison, in and out of jail. My mother left when I was a teenager. We don't have a relationship to this day. My father, unfortunately, passed. And, you know, just coming from that place, it was always, baseball was always that thing that I got respect for. As a kid, you get this association with your parents because it's your last name. And so people automatically, you know, you're set up for failure from the beginning. So baseball was my outlet. It was the thing that I was really good at. After playing baseball at university, Devin got drafted by the San Francisco Giants. He was on a three-season contract and worked hard. But when his contract was coming to an end, they let him go. And so the day I get released, I go back to my hotel room. I remember stoically standing in front of my mirror. I still had my Giants hat on. And I just start that slow welling of tears, just staring back at yourself in the mirror, like almost in contempt for your behavior. I just had this mindset, this broken mindset of like, I'm competing against everyone else. I probably wasn't a top talent, but I was probably good enough that if I was a good teammate at the time and I was supportive and encouraging and paid attention and didn't party too much and didn't do the things that coaches didn't want to see you do, you probably would have had a longer career. And so, you know, that was hard because it felt like it was in my control. And it was just the low, probably one of the lower moments that I had. I mean, that's even coming from a place that's broken, you know, because that was always my ticket out. So as soon as that dream is no longer there, the bottom drops out. What starts racing through my head is, oh, shit, shoot. Now I get to go back 
to live the life that everybody told me I was always going to live, to live the life and follow in the footsteps of my father. I'm going back to the gutter. I'm going back to welfare. I'm going back to this place that I, did, I didn't want to be in. Devin called his wife Morgan. And she's like, look how far you've come. You know, you're not going backwards because I'm here with you. You got to keep moving. And she said, kept saying, keep moving, like keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. And that's the mentality we took into this. They went to work. They grew quickly. Their model was building seed locations. They would go into a location, put a gym there, creating a partnership with a manager who would then run it. The idea was to really establish the brand in that part of the country. We made our first million in cash at 26, two years after we started the business. That lasted about 60 days before we plowed it back into the company and plowed it back into the company over and over and over and over. And one of the ways that we did that to retain equity the whole time was to build these seed locations. We did it in Raleigh, two locations in Raleigh, North Carolina, and now there's 10. Uh, we did it then in w Tampa, Florida, and we did one in West Chase, Florida, which is a subset. And now there's 15 or so. And then we did it in Nashville. Now there's, we did it successfully in Nashville for one in the outskirts. And then we went into this city. And this is where it broke down. Because whilst they had lots of energy, they were growing at a speed they couldn't keep up with. In order to grow fast and to do something similar to what we've done, you've got to look at it in different in different buckets. It can't just be like speed over everything because that's the mentality we had at the time. And that was the first mistake is just fast, 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 fast. Well, um, it's tough to admit, but like when you, you lose $480,000 on a gym in like seven months, eight months, it, it fast, <laughs> fast becomes less desirable. And so what we did is because we wanted to go fast, um, I did a partnership that I shouldn't have gotten into with a person that was a great trainer, but they had they had zero experience in business and they were signing up in this partnership to be the operations manager of this location and to run it from a business standpoint, to run the KPIs and to be able to execute from a profitability standpoint. And I it's right, you heard right people, right seats. This was the right person, but the wrong seat. Devin was in such a rush to grow that he was cutting corners. The manager he'd found was someone he liked, but they didn't know how to run the business. Devin hadn't put in the structures he needed to resolve the issues that came up. We forgot to align clearly and early on the expectations of that partnership. And we went into it real fast. Not laying out my operating agreement with, with them, specifically enough that if there was any egregious or semi-egregious activity that go, went on or they didn't fulfill their needs or fulfill the expectations and, and my needs of what was in the operating agreement, that I would actually be able to sit down and have a conversation. Success kind of blinded us. Another way that it did that was we forgot the principles because we wanted to go fast of the due diligence that you'd have to have into going into buying a new business and doing the market research. Yeah, great spot. Parking lot was great. But the surrounding area, it was basically West End, Nashville, the hood that was getting turned into one house at a time, like this residential Airbnb market. And so we made, we just made all the mistakes, the lack of due diligence, not doing our demographic, psychographic, geographic work, bad partnership. And so it is literally nothing against my partner, right, whose name will leave out of it, nothing against them. And it's everything to do with me and, and me not checking all the boxes that you need to check if you're going to go in and, and run a business. They started bleeding money. 
at one point losing $18,000 in one month. Devin used the profits from their portfolio of other gyms to keep the Nashville one afloat. So I'm like stealing from Peter to pay Paul in this in this weird in, intercompany loan situation. And then my finance team gets pulled in, the operations team gets, and everybody, it's, it's this these problems in your company when you, when you're losing money and you don't cut it off, like I just let it go too long. That's another mistake. Like I saw it, we were bleeding money and I was like, let's go, I believe in us. Like, let's go championship culture, let's go team. You know, sometimes you gotta take a loss. And we just should have taken our loss earlier, swallowed our pride a little bit and said, hey, this is just one that's too far gone. Eventually they closed down the Nashville gym and Devin changed the way he dealt with those he went into business with. I do have partnerships today, but they are under a microscope and they go under much more due diligence. So establish who's in charge. Who's the CEO? Who's the COO? Who's rolling to who? Like, for example, Morgan is our CEO of Burn Brands. Okay, she she oversees our VPs. Okay, and effective, we're partnership in all of our businesses, 50-50, my wife and I. Well, she's the tiebreaker. She's the manager. She gets to make the decisions down and in. But I actually technically am her upline. So I'm the visionary, which is the highest position in the company. I don't have any of the direct reports. I'm the visionary. I'm up and out. Right. So you have to have clear expectations. You know, you have to have the operational agreement outlined very, very clearly and early. And those things are customizable. And so the way I just described Morgan and I, we have it all. We have all this stuff laid out in all of our agreements now because we didn't. We just took a boilerplate operating agreement. We just signed it because our lawyer gave it to us. And this is the Nashville scenario. And it ended up being a boilerplate agreement that absolutely meant nothing. That what the heck did we even go into paying this attorney and signing this thing for if it wasn't going to be useful anywhere in the back end? Align clearly and early on your expectations. Know that the operating agreements can be manipulated however you two see fit and know your lane and respect the lane and, and swim together rather than trying to swim against each other's current. Establishing these relationships with people, especially people you know, can be challenging. But luckily, Devin has had a lot of practice in that area. I recruit everyone that I know. My One of my best friends from childhood, his sister is the VP of our media company now. My best friend in the world, his name is Matt Morris. He's our uh, director of fitness at, at this moment in time. But I had a lot more friends and family that were part of the business that aren't anymore. Right. My sister, who lives in Florida, for example, was a big part of Burn Boot Camp here at our flagship gym. And she ended up moving and she doesn't work with Burn Boot Camp anymore. And so the lesson that I learned from all this around having hard conversations is being put in those positions to want to maintain those relationships. So I'll give everybody the book that I've used as my manual in order to have these hard conversations. It's called NVC. Uh, or Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. He was a psychologist and he was contracted to go mediate war between Middle Eastern countries uh, by the US government. So he wrote a book called NVC, Nonviolent Communication, and it teaches you the following substructure. O-N-F-R, make observations about what people are doing when you have to have hard conversations. Tell them how it's making you feel, not how they're making you feel, but how the action itself is making you feel. Uh, relate to them what your universal human needs are and how those needs aren't being met by their actions that you've observed and then request, make a request of them. And so I've really used that as uh, my framework to have any hard conversations. I'm so empathetic that I naturally suck at it. But I've got, I've had to get really good at it because you don't build a business the size that ours is 
and at the valuation ours is and as fast as we have, as well as maintain profitability. If you don't have card conversations on the way up with people that aren't getting it done, like this starts and stops with you as an entrepreneur and uh, it, it's, it's no one in the company's responsibility to see the success of the business through, it's yours. And listen, some people just get up and leave. That's called managing them out, right? Or leading them out. And then the other side of it, you're gonna get people to step up. I always say those type of conversations creates pressure and that pressure creates diamonds or pancakes. And about 20% of people that I've seen from my observation will step up and then the other, the vast majority, the 80 will pancake. They are trying to get by being mediocre and they just aren't gonna be able to do that in this company. So that's how I think about it. That's how I handle it. And tough conversations have made me a better leader. Devin describes the day he was let go by the Giants as the worst day of his life. And like all entrepreneurs, he's had more hard days building his business. So we had 275 gyms open in 2020 when the lockdowns hit. We had to close all 275, all of them, every single one of them. And for a long extended period of time, it was the worst day of my life outside of getting released from the Giants. And I was by myself. I went to my gym at my house and I cranked up the Sonos and I just played my favorite like success anthem music and I crushed a workout. Like it was like the best workout I've ever had. About halfway through, you get that kind of sense of there's something else with you. There's this universal tingle that happens. And in the moment, I don't know how it happened, but just my mind was flooded with make your worst day your best day. Make your worst day your best day. How do you flip this? So thankfully, I had built a studio, a 5,000 square foot broadcast studio. And we decided in that moment, I decided, you know, supply and demand was going to be my best friend. We stepped in. We said we're going to live stream every day, Monday through Friday. We did the first live stream. We had we had 50,000 people on it. My team, I was like, hey, guys, I'm getting ready to go. I'm a trainer, right? So I'm getting ready to go on this live stream for the first time. I'm like, hey, how many people we have? They're like 48,000. I'm like, you mean you mean 48? No, like 48,000. I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, let's get after it. That was the moment I was like, I could have just sat back and paralyzed and done nothing and just said, hey, I'll see you when I see you. But instead we wanted to meet our members where they are and show up for them however we could. And that came to me because we wanted to make the worst day the best day. And we are now putting a paywall in front of this product and now turning it into a business called Burn Bootcamp On Demand that is taking our valuation like through the roof. There's definitely another way to go than up. You've got to make the decision to go up. And sometimes you just got to close your eyes and let it come to you. It's, there's no, there's no logical answer sometimes. You, that's where you got to follow your intuition. That's where entrepreneur DNA comes in. Gavin Klein, who turns around his worst days by asking how he can make it one of his best. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave a review. I want to know what you think. See you next time. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks told by leading names in sport and beyond who know what it takes to get to the very top there will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow 
Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.